Hello and welcome to Grace in the Marketplace. My name is Tafara Butai. Did you know that God is inside Kairos moments, divine connections, favor, unmerited strength for his children, for the marketplace? I like to call all of this God's grace in the marketplace. And so on this podcast, that's what we're going to be talking about and many other subjects. Let's check out today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. And uh, let's just all give it up for Ben and just kind of thank him for putting this together. It was his idea. He came up with it and he said, hey, let's do this. And I was like, hey, why not? Let's do it. So uh, thank you so much, Ben, for the initiative. And uh, welcome, everybody else. We're going to pray and uh, we're going to pray and we're going to jump straight into it. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Uh, for yet another privilege, another opportunity. This is the day you have made, and um, uh, we will be exceedingly grateful and joyous in it. And so, Lord, uh, we commit this meeting into your hands. Lord, we just pray for every marketplace leader uh, that is on this call. We commit their assignment into, into your hands. Lord, we just thank you that you didn't create them to be average, uh, but you created them for a purpose. And, Father, that, that purpose will be made manifest uh, in this earth. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, it's such a privilege and uh, such an honor uh, to be amongst uh, world changers. Uh, you know, one of the things I learned from uh, uh, Billy Epperhart uh, was, uh, you know, when it comes to marketplace ministry, uh, business and being out there with this kind of teaching, it's not for, for everybody because we had invited him to come. Now, Billy is a multi-millionaire uh, who has retired. And uh, so we invited him to come to Faith Hill Church to uh, minister. And so when he came, our first meeting, there were only about uh, 20, 22 people in it. It was a leadership meeting. And then the evening is when we started the conference with the hundreds of people. Uh, but, you know, in talking to him later on, because, you know, some of my friends would go up to him and say, hey, Billy would like to do this with you, but we have uh, larger churches and would like for you to come so we can do it at a larger scale and more people get to hear you. And he said to them, you know, I'm not moved by numbers because this kind of ministry is not for everybody. It's not for the masses. It's for the chosen few that believe that God wants to use them to impact their nations. Because what we're talking about is impacting your nations and uh, uh, impacting your city primarily and, and, and transforming your nation. And you are the people that I believe God is going to use to do uh, so. He, he said to me, he said, Tafara, there is a dog whistle that's going on around marketplace and uh, uh, being uh, 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 impactful and being a person of influence in the marketplace. And, uh, you know, when if you know anything about a dog whistle, when you blow it, humans don't hear it. It's only the dogs that pick it up. In, it's a signal in a certain dimension. And you are saying it's similar to that. He wasn't calling us dogs. <laughs> but he was saying it's similar to that, that there's just a few in the body of Christ that get to pick it up. And uh, these are the few that, uh, uh, you know, get the message and run with it. And so, you know, one of the shortcomings uh, that we've had in application of discipleship as a church has been, uh, we've looked at everything else that happens outside of our four walls uh, as secular and not sacred. And so we've relegated that to the sidelines. 
And I was talking to one of the actors who uh, was a speaker at my Grace in the Marketplace conference in Los Angeles, uh, Derek Luke. He confessed afterwards and he said, you know, Tafara, my mindset was actually to just go to Hollywood and make a round trip. Because he thought that whatever happens in Hollywood contradicted his faith. Uh, he didn't realize that uh, uh, God could use him to be a person of influence uh, even in Hollywood. We talked briefly during this, the course of this week uh, about the Bill Bright concept of the seven mountains. So Bill Bright came up with this concept in 1975. Uh, Lance Wall now uh, of late has been running with that concept uh, it's called the seven mountains and you know he looked at these different spheres of influence and these seven are if you're writing down notes it's the church uh, which i believe is the uh, greater mountain you know the scripture tells us that the mountain of the lord shall be established above every other mountain so the church is very very important and what happens in the church is that people come uh, to be equipped and discipled and be taught uh, of the kingdom of God so that when they go out into their respective areas of influence, uh, they can disciple nations. So these are the other areas that, you know, we can begin to send people out to uh, uh, be people of influence. Family is the second mountain. The third one is education. Man, we need some Christians uh, in the mountain of education. There was a gentleman uh, who started questioning uh, things around the flat earth, you know, uh, 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 concept. His name was uh, uh, Giglio or Galileo, depending on where you're from. Kabish, <laughs> Galileo, <laughs> Kabish, you know. And so he started questioning around it. He went to the pastors and he told them, hey, listen, uh, I got a revelation for science. And the pastors wouldn't believe that, you know, God wouldn't know anything about science. So they kicked him out of the church. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, 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 my prayer is that that never happens in our day. So uh, uh, Galileo, you know, he was in the education mountain and he was a believer. Uh, media. Uh, mountain. Uh, we also need believers, Christians, born again Christians on the media mountain. And here we are talking about, uh, you know, the mountain that dispels information. Uh, you know, in America, uh, if you are not a strong Christian, you are either being discipled by the uh, democratic propaganda or the republican propaganda you 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 have to be a strong christian to walk that middle aisle that's unpolluted you're either reading the bible from a democratic liberal mindset which is going to cause you problems or you're reading it from a conservative which is you know where i lean but it's still not the bible you need to stand on the bible you need to stand on the values of the word and not the values of what the media is uh, uh, uh peddling so we need to have christians man wouldn't it be awesome to have christians uh reporting from a biblical perspective about this global pandemic of coronavirus i mean there wouldn't be so much fear because i mean the christians would tell you the news the facts but they would also tell you what the word of god says so we need to send christians not just to be uh, involved in the media mountain but to uh, ascend to the top of that mountain to where we start owning media houses and we also release the good news uh, with uh, uh, the current affairs that are going on in the world the fifth one is the arts and entertainment man we need christians if there is a time we need christians uh, in this mountain it is now 
I didn't realize how powerful uh, arts and entertainment was until I had uh, uh, my own children. I have two girls and, uh, you know, we, we take them to church at least 52 uh, uh, times in a year to church. They, I'm a pastor. They have no choice, you know. But uh, I, I realized that there was a strong competition from Frozen. Now, fr some of you may not know who Frozen is, but Frozen is a, a TV character. I think they have Alsa and Anna. Uh, there's a strong competition uh, for the church, for Sunday school from Frozen to disciple my kids. And I mean, this Frozen production is well put together. And my kids, you know, they, they, they look at that and relate to that. And it would be awesome if we could have... Uh, uh, arts and entertainment that's created by Christian people who understand the biblical principle. I'm not talking about low budget stuff. You know, every other movie you see out there that's got Christian values, it's like it's produced on a 10 rand budget. You know, we're talking about something that, you know, that is going to compete with the production in, in Hollywood. So it's very important that we start thinking this way, that we need Christians uh, in all these different mountains. The mountain of government, man, we need Christians in the mountain of government and the mountain of business we need uh, Christians in the mountain of business. So God wants us to excel uh, in all these different um, uh, mountains of influence all the way to the summit so that we can begin to uh, uh, disciple people even through these channels. And so before we get into some of that today, uh, yesterday we talked a little bit about faithfulness and I didn't get to the last scripture I was going to read uh, uh, in that particular Topic, And I want to just read that quickly and then we'll go back and talk about uh, something else that I have uh, for you today on the seven mountains of influence. And so let's quickly go to Luke chapter number 16. I'm going to be reading from verse 10 to 12. So yesterday we established that is very important. Uh, for us as children of God to learn how to be faithful, to learn how to be uh, loyal, to be dependable, to learn how to uh, be trustworthy, and so on and so forth. These are synonyms of the word uh, uh, faithful. And, um, you know, one of, one of the ways you can learn, really learn how to do that is to realize that you and I are just stewards uh, in the earth. God has entrusted us with so many gifts. He has entrusted us with so many opportunities, and uh, we don't own those things. We are just stewards, uh, and we have to give an account uh, to him. Luke 16, from verse 10 to 12, this is Jesus speaking. Again, he's talking about faithfulness. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. We learned yesterday that God's way to promote is through faithfulness. God is the ultimate promoter. He, all promotion comes from God. It does not come from man. It comes from God. Uh, Psalm 75 from verse 6 to 7 tells us that promotion, excuse me, does not come from the east, nor the west, uh, nor from the south, but it is God who puts it uh, down one and set it up another. So God is the one that ultimately brings promotion. And if you are wondering God's uh, standard of promotion, uh, it tells us in Matthew 25 that his standard of promotion is faithfulness. 
And so, God will always start you with the least. He's always going to start you with the small things because he doesn't want you to be overly accountable with the things that you cannot handle. So, he's always going to start you with the small things. And as you learn how to be faithful with the small things, God will start to entrust you with more things. Your business is going to start with uh, uh, a small uh, uh, complement of staff. And as you are faithful over that small complement of staff, you know in looking after them paying salaries on time you know you don't use company money to buy a range rover uh, when you should be paying salaries that will minister to someone right there Uh, uh, you learn how to be faithful you learn how to be faithful in the least as you do that god will begin to grow your business and he will entrust you with uh, more people so he that is faithful in the least will also be faithful in much we talked about the two uh, expressions of favor uh, we say the first one is uh, Kairos moments, and uh, these are divinely orchestrated moments by God uh, that bring uh, a favor and promotion. And uh, listen, you're not going to get into Kairos moments, which is a higher dimension, if you don't learn how to be faithful in Kronos. Kronos is the, is the time, 8 to 5, that we live in, in. When you learn how to be faithful with the less, with Kronos, with keeping time, with being uh, a person who respects time, who invests into all your hours in a day, then you will be promoted into Kairos moments. Amen? Because the, the greater rules over uh the least relationships we talked about relationships uh you know i believe right at the top of of everything we've shared uh this week one of the ways you can uh uh, tap into god's divine favor is uh through understanding the value of relationships man relationships are powerful i i mentor a lot of young people uh all over the world and um the quickest way, I tell them, the quickest way to sabotage your own growth and, and acceleration is to sabotage relationships. When you don't understand the value of relationships, the true asset in life is, is relationships. God loves people and he uses people to minister to you. And you can't be someone who uh, has a PhD in hurting people, someone who's got a PhD in, in damaging relationships and burning bridges and expect God uh, to bring supernatural growth and promotion. It, it's, it's just an oxymoron. It's not going to work. We have to learn how to uh, uh, navigate relationships. We have to learn how to get along. Amen. We have to learn how to manifest the fruit of the spirit. Be patient, be meek, uh, be long-suffering and so on and so forth. Loving and, and and, and when you do that, that flow through relationships begins to happen flawlessly. So he says here in, first, in verse 10, Luke 16, that was a rabbit trail. He says in Luke 16, verse 10, he that is faithful in the least is also faithful in much. He that is unjust in the least is also unjust in much. And this is the first level of faithfulness, being faithful with small things. Learn how to be Uh, faithful with small things then the second level jesus is growing into this revelation progressively the second level is if therefore you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon who will commit to you uh, to your trust the true riches so we see two different kinds of wealth uh, or riches in this uh, next level of faithfulness the first one is unrighteous mammon uh, which is just money you could call it money And the second one is true riches. And so he's saying here, if you have not learned how to be faithful 
dealing with money, just, just you know, dollars and cents. If, if, if you cannot listen to God with regards to your finances, uh, you may as well forget the true riches because the true riches will probably make you go crazy. Have you ever met these, you know, uh, 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 Preachers who just have never had an opportunity to be faithful with riches and then, you know, by uh, hooks and uh, crooks, they end up with so much influence over a large... They go crazy. They start abusing power, abusing people, and so on and so forth because they went into a higher level of riches without mastering the less. So we need to learn how to be faithful uh, in the realm of money. I don't know what you believe about finances, but the general rule is a certain portion of what you earn belongs to the Lord. Uh, some of you believe, believe in 10%. Some of you don't. You believe in 20 Some of you 30 uh, 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 You know, I'm not here to try and persuade you doctrinally. I'm a tither. Uh, but whatever you believe, a portion of what you earn belongs to the Lord. We call that honoring God. Uh, uh, Proverbs 3 verse 9, it says, honor the Lord uh, with your substance, with the first fruits of your uh, increase and your vats shall be filled uh, with, shall overflow and your bands shall be filled with plenty. So we get to practice faithfulness in the realm of of finances by understanding that we need to be uh, generous. We need to uh, listen to God uh, with uh, regards to our finances. I remember when the Lord spoke to me in 2014 about giving away a car. I mean, man, it was tough coming from where I I grew up. I mean, it's just surrounded by poverty. I mean, things meant everything to me. And I think the Lord was trying to just kind of help me snap out of uh, the worship of things. You see, you can worship things and you don't even know it. <laughs> and the Lord said to me, give it away. And I gave away that car. And today, I don't have a problem with cars. I mean, I don't even have a problem. I mean, someone scratched my car the other day and it was just like, okay, it's just things. God is going to burn them anyway in the end. But I'm not saying be careless with things. Look after them. Be a good steward. But don't be overly, you know, man, if your kids just touch yourself on it's world war three you know don't it shouldn't be like that it's just things things should never occupy space in your heart amen otherwise the golf clubs man you should never let those golf clubs take place in your heart i'm preaching to myself amen. Uh, verse 12 listen to what he says so after you've learned how to be faithful uh with finances he says in verse 12 if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, if you believe you're called to the uh, mountain of business or mountain of, of ministry, this one uh, is going to hit uh, very close to home. If you're called to the mountain of business, you're going to have to learn how to be faithful as an employee. He says, if you have not been faithful in that which belongs to someone else, who shall give you that which is your own? So you learn uh, faithfulness as an employee. You don't clock watch. You don't uh, 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 only work when your boss is in town. You know, I always share this with our church, that if you get excited when your boss is out of town, you're probably not a faithful employee. Man, that will minister to someone, right? The people get excited. Boss is not in town, pastor. This week is awesome. No, it shouldn't be that way. If you are a faithful employee, that business, you should apply yourself in that business as if uh, it is your own. If it's in ministry, 
Uh, here's how you get promoted in ministry. Three steps to find your specific ministry or to get promotion in ministry. If you believe God has called you uh, to uh, any of the five-fold um, ministry, that's what we call them in Ephesians 4. Uh, 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 it says that if you, if you believe God has called you to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, uh, a pastor, or a teacher, the way you step into your own ministry is by doing these three things. Number one, if you're taking down notes, sacrificially serve so you begin to practice faithfulness by serving sacrificially uh, not half-heartedly sacrificially uh, number two you sacrificially give into that ministry uh, that you are uh, 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 at right now that you have been given an opportunity to serve and number three is you repeat the first two <laughs> over and over again you make it a lifestyle amen before we, we we let's quickly go to something else that i call in the book manifesting uh the abundance of god and i just want to talk about this quickly because uh god has given us the power to create wealth he has given us uh, the power to step into an abundance. Uh, the first class, we talked about the reason for an abundance. It is so that we can be a blessing to others. And God really wants you to start manifesting abundance uh, in your life. And uh, the way to do that, uh, at least for me, was to defeat a scarcity mindset. You know, the, growing up, the way they would feed us would visit my parents in the rural areas. Uh, some of you may not know anything about this, but, the, uh, you know, I would visit my parents in the rural areas when it's school holidays. And then this is how my, my grandparents would feed us. They would make one bowl, big bowl of pap sadza. And then they would make one big bowl of meat, you know, uh, stew. And then they would get all the boys from the village to sit around just that one uh, a big ball of pop and one big ball of, of, of stew. It didn't occur to them that they could just grab 12 plates and give each one their own plate so that they can eat their own pace. Because, I mean, sitting around that uh, big ball of pop and, uh, 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 I mean, you're looking at these guys, you're looking at their skills and their biceps. and I mean, it took a really good skill to eat hot food and a really good skill to go very fast. And what that did is it trained us in what I like to call scarcity. Uh, because you're sitting every dinner, you know, man, this is about to run out. If I don't go dig, dig, digging deep in there, I'm, I'm not going to get anything. And unfortunately, some of my friends have taken that same mindset into government. Some of my friends have taken that same mindset into real life. They think that stuff is running out. Well, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, nothing is running out. There is enough for everybody. It doesn't matter how much air you breathe. I'm still going to get mine. Amen. God created the earth to have enough and plenty for all the days of our lives. And so we need to be delivered from this mindset of scarcity. Uh, uh, one of the greatest lies the enemy has ever told people is that stuff is running out. There is a scarcity of opportunities. There is no scarcity of opportunities. Scripture tells us in Chronicles that God's eyes run to and fro looking for someone to show himself strong through, looking for someone to give opportunities to. Jesus told us, he said, the harvest is what? Plentiful. It is the laborers that are few. So opportunities will never run out. 
And so we need to realize that there is so much for everybody. Just because you're, the business next to you is doing well doesn't mean you're not going to get yours. And this will help you just kind of deal with issues in your heart so you can create that bandwidth to receive the abundance of God. You, you get rid of jealousy. You'd get rid of uh, envy. You'd get rid of all those things and, and realize that just because God uh, uh, heals somebody else does not mean the healing power of God is running out in heaven. There is healing for everybody, just like there is provision for everybody. Amen. And so these things that we see in life, uh, some of them just create a mindset. It was conditioning. Sitting around that uh, 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 dinner table with all my other brothers was uh, mentally uh, conditioning. It was a terrible thing. You know, it was creating a certain way of thinking, which I had to deal with years and years later uh, in my adult life. And these are some of the things that I, I learned from my own personal life. But scripture tells us in Deuteronomy 8.18, uh, we've got five more minutes now, Deuteronomy 8.18, it says, And you shall remember the Lord, for it is he who gives you the power to create uh, wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is uh, this day. So God gives us the power to create wealth. I want to submit to you, brothers and sisters, that God does not have a problem with wealth. God does not have a problem with you having wealth. Now, you may not say it out loud, but most of us religiously look at wealth as a stinking thing that we just don't want to have. And that has been stopping the manifestation of abundance in our lives. There is no, nothing wrong with wealth as long as you don't let it take place in your heart, take, take over uh, your heart. There's nothing wrong with wealth. God wants to entrust you with so much wealth so that you can be a blessing uh, to someone else. I read an article a few years ago uh, called uh, The Jewish Economic uh, Theory. It was written by Corinne and Robert M. Sauer. And the spelling for Sauer is S-A-U-E-R. You can go and look it up. You can look up this article. Uh, they titled it Judaism, Markets, and Capitalism. Because I, I read a lot on uh, uh, on Jewish people because they fascinate me how all of them uh, have a, 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 a mindset. Their mindset, their approach to life and to wealth is really, really unique and it's interesting. And so I read up a lot on that. And so uh, this couple wrote this article and in this article, uh, they listed what they called the five foundations to the Jewish economic theory. So these are the five things that every uh, a Jew is trained to think, some of them consciously, but most of them it's become a subconscious thing. They just think this way. It's a part of them. And the first foundation that they put in, in this article was uh, they believe, Jew, Jewish people believe uh, that God has created them to participate in the creative process. So they believe in participation in the creative process. They believe that they are co-laborers with God to create goods and services that will improve life in the earth. They believe this. They just believe God is going to do it with us. And because of that, uh, they are open to uh, uh, God manifesting his creative abilities uh, through them. The second foundation that we see uh, that they listed in that article was uh, the Jewish uh, believe in the protection of uh, private property. 
the protection of private property. And uh, it's interesting because in my book, Grace in the Marketplace, I wrote uh, on page five, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, um, an encounter that took place when Abraham signs the first ever real estate deal that we see in the history of mankind. And in this book, this is what I wrote. Uh, Abraham is trying to buy land uh, to bury his wife, Sarah. And there are some interesting things to note in this verse that uh, qualifies Abraham as a man who understood business. And I'm reading the, the chapter that I'm, I'm making a commentary on is Genesis 23 from verse 7 to 20 in the New Living Translation. It's the first ever real estate deal. Uh, so Abraham refused to take the land as a favor. He refuses uh, communism because what the person, the Hittites, were offering him the land, they were saying, ah, it's just our land, all of us. You know, you can just bury it there. All of, this one is all, it's all our land. It's yours and mine. And Abraham said, no, I don't want yours and mine. No distinction. No, I want to buy it from you and we're going to have witnesses and I'm going to sign somewhere. So they believe in the, in the, in, in pri in the protection of private uh, property. The third one is uh, that they look at the accumulation of wealth as a virtue. They look at the accumulation of wealth as a virtue. This is a different mindset than the average religious person. The Jewish mindset looks at being able to manage and steward the God, their God-given resources and multiply them as being holy in the earth. So they look at it as a part of their uh, 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 practicing their uh, religion. You know, they look at it as this is a part of uh, 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 what we do. Amen. And uh, the fourth one is they look at uh, caring for the needy as a divine obligation. They look at, you know, looking after those who I need, the orphans and the widows as a divine obligation. And so they have a reason uh, to accumulate wealth because there is a purpose and there is a need for it. And this is so for us as God's children as well. If you look at Ephesians 4.28, it says, Let him who stole steal no more, but let him work something that is good with his hands so that he may have to give to him who is in need. So God wants to manifest uh, abundance through us so that we can be a blessing to others. And the fifth and last one is that they believe uh, in limited government. They believe uh, in limited government. They believe that government is here to serve and not to dominate. And this is why we need Christians in the, in the government mountain who believe uh, these things. And as, a, as I'm closing, I just want to recommend a quick book. And uh, uh, this will probably help inform on some of these things, especially if you're on this call and you believe God has called you to the mountain of government and politics. There is nothing dirty about politics. We need Christians uh, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit to, need, uh, to lead our nations. Uh, it's not an assignment somewhere at the back of the list. This can be a, a primary, uh, your primary assignment from God. And we as pastors, we are here to support you. We are here to serve you. We are here to pray for you and cheer you on and encourage you, especially on the continent of Africa. Man, when I see young people uh, taking a stand, yeah, ban for prime minister, I saw that. <laughs> Man, when I see young people, Christians taking up uh, a stand for, 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 for God and government, man, it's just so 
uh, encouraging. So I want to recommend a book and then I'll hand over to Ben. Uh, this is a book I think everyone on this call should read. It's called Why Nations Fail. And so if you are called to the government mountain or, or business mountain, uh, please be sure to check out this book, uh, this book called Why Nations uh, Fail.